Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 873, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. My name is Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Hey. Hi. So we say our names right away. Yeah. And if you didn't know me, what would you care? <laughs> and like, if you, you know, like, and then you'd forget it. If somebody told me their name at the very beginning of a show, a minute into that show, I'd be like, I don't remember that guy's name. So. Who are you again? That's the one guy with the deep voice and the one guy with the annoying voice. And the other guy who sounds like the second guy. Yeah. <laughs> is that a thing? You don't remember that? I In do. the old days when Ron hosted with us, we used to get regular emails saying yes. were, people were mad they couldn't tell you guys apart. Which is so weird. Don't sound anything like each other, but okay. Not only are our voices not similar, we do not speak the same at all. <laughs> right. You don't say drawer. We don't. And like the cadence, the... Or corpse. Accent, uh, I can say... It is weird that they can't say drawer, isn't it? <laughs> My wife says draw. I'm like, what is wrong with you? It's not draw. <laughs> That's a different word. <laughs> this is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 873. Uh, each week, one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics, and we call that the Pick of the Week. It was so fast I did that. Yeah. We are, I don't think I've ever taken off from the first line in the script. And then you went with me, which is the part that made me happy. We are that's going right. to talk about the books that came out in comic book stores this week. We will talk about our favorite. That's the pick. The other books, the patron pick. We will answer listener mail if we have time. There will be spoilers for these books. So if you have not read them, that's on you, pal. Connor, once again, you were saddled like Sisyphus with the pick of the week. Yeah. And the winner this week was Joe. They're not a winner. They don't win anything. There's no prize. Joe fix it. <laughs> number four. Is the pick of the week, and uh, that's by Peter David, Ildari Sinar, D. Cunniff, Ariana Mar, and uh, we've been talking a lot about these Peter David throwbacky books. We've loved uh, World My, World War M. What was it? Maestro? World, World, that's, Maestro? That's how much we loved it. Well, Maestro this is World we... War M. <laughs> I think that's what it was called. <laughs> that sounds right. But when you do say World War M out loud, it, it seems like a made-up thing. Seems like it, might, it could be wrong. Like, I, was it just an abbreviation? Did we? 
World War Maestro, World War... Maestro, whatever. That's how quickly my brain is deteriorating before everyone's ears. Sure. And we've been really loving Joe Fixit. I was a little... Well, I mean, the one I was most dubious about was the Captain Marvel, just because I never read that one in the first place. I enjoyed it. (laughs) I enjoyed it anyway. And Joe Fixit is is from an era of Hulk I also didn't read, but I knew about Joe Fixit and the Grey Hulk and all that stuff. So, you know, not as exciting as the Return to Maestro, but I've been really enjoying this miniseries of the adventures of Joe Fixit and Spider-Man and Kingpin in Las Vegas. I think the last issue three we also loved was was almost the pick of the week Mm -hmm. we talked about in the show. And this is the fourth of five. And so it's the big climax issue where everyone comes together and there's a big old brawl on the middle of the strip in Las Vegas. And there's just some wonderful battles, wonderful comic book silliness that we all take very seriously. I love the Magia group who's basically like the mob, but they're all in a, I mean, the guy in charge is, is in a terrible, terrible costume, Count Nefaria. I just love this. I love the characterization of Spider-Man. I love the characterization of Hulk. I love his Kingpin. I love that now we've got Electro and the Rhino in the mix. The moment where Electro unmasks Spider-Man at the behest of Kingpin to find Peter Parker. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm looking Got at up like, uh, like Putty for the <laughs> New Jersey Devils game. Painted his face and I guess also hair to <laughs> look like Spider-Man's mask so they still can't tell who he is. I literally I had to put the iPad down. Really? Because it was so silly and stupid, but it worked. Mm-hmm. And it, may, it really did, did remind me of that period of comics where we, we were allowed to be a little silly and stupid mm-hmm. and people didn't freak out that their hobby was being degenerated. That it wasn't serious. Like it had to be serious. Yeah. And, you know, there's a moment where the Hulk's body slams Kingpin and like there's just it was just really awesome fun stuff which is what all has been happening this whole time the, with this book I, I'm sorry I do have to go back when they unmask him the, the eyes it's, it's, the, it's the expression too it's, it's the it's, facial expression staring right at him it doesn't however this is important that doesn't look like Peter Parker's face to me it's too round <laughs> it's or something I know it's just not my my perception. <laughs> there's, there's a combination in that little face. It's page thirteen on your digital reader. If you're reading that way, it's a combination of his. <laughs> he is staring back and challenging him, but also kind yes. of proud. It's a little smirk. <laughs> like, there is like, yep. hey, I've outthought you guys. Yeah, but then you look when he like puts the mask back on. His face is back to being like longer and angular. He's very, he's very yeah. round headed there. And I, and I yeah. like okay, look at the chin. Like the chin is very blunt, but the Spider Man chin is not. Peter Parker on HGH a little bit. I will say, uh, by the way, uh, you know, this is not a knock on our man, Yildre Sinar, because what he did here was sold the joke. And in that case, <laughs> the anatomy doesn't really matter. That's right. a really funny look on his face. I can't even tell you exactly why it's, it's funny, very but funny. It, it's very funny. I don't think I really took it in. You know, what we saw in this one is uh, Electro, whose costume yeah. is classic is Electro. On. We spot did get on. to see him in street clothes, though. I know. Which was casual Electro. Yeah. That was unexpected. Speaking of costumes of villains, yeah, the count is it, yeah Count Nefaria. Yeah. So I know a lot of I know a lot of Marvel characters because yeah. of the Handbook to the Marvel Universe. Sure. Here's the thing, though. I only had there was two volumes, maybe three. I only had one of them. I had the oh, last the one. one so. Oh, the last one. Yeah, I didn't have the first one. I had the last one. No, maybe I had a middle one because mine had Graviton in it. And mm. I get Graviton and Nefaria mixed up because I think they look uh. very similar. And so I was like, wow, that's Graviton. 
Now, I don't know why I know that. I've never seen Graviton in a comic. I don't remember the last. I haven't looked at that thing in forever, but it stuck with me. I think Nefario was in that one also. I guess I had the early one. I got to go to my stuff. What's crazy is that they just call him Nefaria, but I knew immediately. No, it's Count Nefaria. Count Nefaria. Like, I, I don't know why or how I know that. I couldn't tell you the name of World War M earlier, but I can tell you that is Count Nefaria. Sure. That's how brains work. So the Magia is an old Marvel-based crime syndicate that started in 13th century Europe, but that's it's, what the It's whole not thing the is. Mafia. No, no. The it's Magia. the Magia. <laughs> Didn't they have to do that because they were afraid of the mafia? Probably. Isn't that why they originally did it? I think they changed the name. I don't know. Let me tell you, sure back uh, when we were doing The Godfather, I had the same sort of problem. And what, <laughs> yeah, what had so, to- <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure, not just afraid, but you know, the mafia controlled printing and distribution and everything. So I think they had to, in the old days, they, to tell mafia stories, they had to call them the Magia. I mean, if nothing else, they needed to get the trash picked up at, at, uh, at the Broadway <laughs> right. offices. There was, there was no way. I've been waiting to do that. You got to understand. <laughs> Oh, comics history. So this has just been a romp. Like I said in the beginning, I was a little dubious just because I I don't have a strong emotional connection to the Joe Fixit era. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in this particular book, he's almost like throwing everything into the blender. Mm -hmm. We get Rhino facing off against Mr. Fixit. We get Spider-Man. Spider-Man's been there the whole time. Electro gets dropped in. Now the Magia. Kingpin is completely in over his head, but doesn't understand it or won't accept it, which is rare for the Kingpin to be completely in over his head. But he's trying to face off against Joe Fixit. I like that. I like his frustration is front and center, too, which I think is funny. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't have a connection with Joe Fixit other than when I was very young, I saw him in something and I was like, that Hulk looks cool as shit. I would like to know more about it. And I never really followed up on it. And so here I get a little of that. So it makes me happy. But it's not like it's a tenuous, which is all comic books are. I just thought something looked cool. And so I'm like, I'm a fan. Do you think that when we say we like books like this, this is Mm -hmm. like what you and I would consider old people. When they liked like gross shit, like black licorice and blackjack gum or <laughs> like uh, Moxie. You know what Moxie is? Is that a soda? Maine's own soda, yeah. And nobody likes yeah. it except for very old lobster people. flavored? Couldn't tell you what it's flavored. Like it's, you know, like old timey sodas, they taste more like roots yeah. and bark and shit. I really like it <laughs> as long as it's cold. But when I was a kid, I hated it. In the depression, it's all they had to eat. That's horrible. <laughs> I, it's horrible. I apologize for that. Listen, we had the sea. <laughs> And we had the know-how to harvest from it. That's Lobster true. used to be a food of the people. It was peasant food. And then somebody yeah. said, why don't we sell this to rich people instead? <laughs> and thus, an economy was born. Some smart person didn't get rich. They probably. have tourists come up there and the McDonald's go, fuck it, we can sell them a lobster sandwich for $15. And I mean, that was however many years ago. It's probably 40 bucks now. Oh, my God. The last time I was back east and went to buy a lobster roll in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Jesus, it was like 20 bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never mind. I don't like lobster. That's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say than this is, you know, intentionally the epitome of gosh comics. This is yes. incredibly fun. And I think in our ongoing examination of why and how comics have changed, this feels like the way they used to tell stories, similar to the Avengers book that was out this week, you know, the throwback Paul Levitt's one that was picked the week last time it came out. And similar yeah. to the other Peter David books, there's a continuity of story that is just different now and it's hard to put your finger on how but this you is know what this i is, like this really works and, and again i couldn't have ever i couldn't have ever thought of this when i was younger but i like that it is not trying to impress me you right. know what i mean it isn't look how smart i am and right. so much of what we see and read and it should be there it should be things that are clever but this isn't that it's pure 
like like what I think of as your basic comic book, superhero comic book, you know, all the stuff thrown together, put these guys in a room, they fight, they do whatever. There's nothing here that is like, oh man, I'm going to get an award for this. People are going to talk about it. It's just straight up burgers and fries. It's fun. No frills. Yeah, it's great. And I, and I was not, you know, oddly enough, this is stuff that was done for kids, but I don't, I wasn't in a good position to appreciate that when I was younger, and I and I like that I can now. Look at page sixteen. I'm going for another great facial expression in which the Hulk grabs Kingpin's arm, flips him over onto his back, and look at Kingpin's face as he's hitting the ground. And I love the way. Oh, that is good. The body curves, like it's just this mm-hmm. is just, and I like how the Kingpin's body is sort of blurry, and it's yep. not done through Photoshop effects; it's done through the art. His, oh, yeah, his legs that. are sketchier. It's got Kirby dots. And the really dramatic backdrop, which is not at yeah. all like the world, its effects. It's just That to really me looks nice. straight out of How to Draw Comics the Marvel way. It's a really nice drawing. I don't think we gave Yildare Sinar enough credit by name for what he's doing mm-hmm. in here, but this isn't how he draws. I mean, historically, I mean, you can see him in there, but he's taking on a style here that it's it's just really accurate. You know, it's perfect. It's yep. it's totally signifying the way that we're supposed to feel about this comic book. But it isn't bad. The, you know, the anatomy, the the structure, all the things are great. You know, he's a, he's a really strong artist, so he's got that kind of flexibility. I bet it's fun as hell to draw a comic book like this. If you're yeah. like an art and you nail it, you're like, oh, that's perfect. We all know that Peter David's had health issues lately, and so I don't know if he's mm-hmm. got more of these in the can or. Not a clear. I mean, clearly it must be popular. This is like what his fourth miniseries, mm-hmm. or fifth in the last yeah. few years, and so I'm I'm happy if they want to keep throwing him at him. We're kind of running out of his Marvel. Although I guess he could do an X Factor one. He could do whatever he We're wants. Kind of running out of his Marvel work. I feel like he's a guy like he probably like he do more Hulk. I feel like he probably just channels this stuff. Like it's not even hard for him. sure. And I love that. Just like if he is going through stuff and having a hard time, and he has he's had a stroke before, and like there's not a good retirement plan for comic book people and and people who. No made a lot of licensed sci-fi novels. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's like one of those old-timey guys. He's He himself is a throwback, you know, to a time when a sci-fi writer just did everything and did it fast. You just finished yes, Cavalier and Clay. But that was a thing. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. Listen, let's save it for a few more comics done. With I didn't say by. it. I thought of it, and I said, I'm not going to say that. And then you come I just read that in. part last night. Yeah. Let's move on to Second Coming, Trinity number one. This is the third volume of the second coming series of miniseries from Ahoy Comics, Ahoy Ahoy, Ahoy, Ahoy. from Mark Russell and Richard Pace and Leonard Kirk. And I think at this point, we're like well beyond the original idea of this book. I will tell you before you go, I saw this. I did not miss it, but I was like, I don't think I actually read the second series, so I didn't read it. You didn't have to. I mean, these are completely, I don't even remember what happened. I thought about this one actually for a bit for Pick the Week, only because, (laughs) and again, you having not read the second series, it's a completely self-contained story about the character Sunspot is basically Superman. His Lex Luthor, called Cranius, is basically a super genius with a giant head like the leader. And they went to high school together, and apparently also Aquaman so for some reason, the version of Aquaman in this book. And the framing device of the story is that Cranium, is it, no, Cranius, 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 Cranius is being tried for his crimes, and he's, they want to put him to death. They want to execute him. And we flash back to the 20th high school reunion of their high school and so cranius shows up in his you know with his giant head in his crushed blue velvet suit hoping to uh reconnect his old high school pals and you know turns out he was the lonely nerd at school and sunspot was the jock and 
all of those things come rushing back. It's very cliche American suburban high school stuff, but in the context of a guy with a giant genius brain, Superman and Aquaman, it was very funny and sad and heartbreaking because he meets a girl at the reunion. They'd never talked before and they connect and things are going well. And then they're going to go on a date, but then her friend rushes over and tells her about Cranius's nickname in high school, which is Thunderbone because he got a boner in gym class and she decides she can't go out on a date with Thunderbone. That would ruin her social standing. And so it's like all those high school movie cliches, but it's very funny considering the context of what it's in and the Mark Russell stuff. It was good. It was very good. Did you enjoy the second series? I don't remember. I mean, I think I did. I don't remember what happened in it. And when I say I, I didn't pick it up because of that, it wasn't so much that I thought I needed it. It was more that I was like, there must have been some reason I didn't. <laughs> like, I felt through the whole thing, I was generally uninterested in this, but I enjoyed it enough. So I just thought, eh. And then I ran out of time. I honestly don't know what happened. I don't remember what happened. I barely remember the first one. The first one was very good. I remember that remember being very yeah. good. The second one, I feel like there was stuff about a Jesus theme park that was good. It sounds about right. And he, like, was barking at the people. Like, I'm right here. Like, he got, he got he frustrated. To, he, Jesus ended up going there. Because this book's about Jesus coming back. This second coming is the name. And right. He's hanging out. He's best friends with Superman, basically. And Right. Who's also a Jesus figure himself. And so, I think the second one is much more about Jesus. Who knows? I mean, this is, again, this is very self-contained. Although, until the end, they decided not to sentence him to death. They sentenced him to go out into space on this space program. And so, he's, like, basically sentenced to life in, in the space program. And so... I don't know if that story's going to go that way or if that's just it for him or what, but it was a good issue. I'm glad. Not great, but good. Yeah, that's that's been... Although the only thing is, I mean, maybe it's because I grew up in New York City and I live in Los Angeles, but these people are supposed to be only 38 and all of these women are looking and dressing like they're like in their late 50s and suburban moms. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, really? After people become professional artists, they don't tend to leave the house again. And so whatever was ingrained <laughs> on them at the time is what sticks with them. Right. Yeah, I know. So, I yeah. was very surprised, and I texted you very excitedly when I saw on the list, Hey Kids Comics Volume 3, the latest, again, this is another third volume from Howard Chaikin and his look back at the history of comic books in this fictionalized world. What did you think of this book? So, I love this book, as you know. <laughs> the problem yeah. with it has always been that I don't yes. know who's who. I remember very specifically there was a roll call sort of thing in the last they volume. They didn't do it. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I was very excited, and I opened it, and then name, name, person, and I went, oh, fuck, I don't remember any <laughs> of these people. And I went. I went to the back. I went to the front, and I was like, all right, you've done this before. You just went, But it did mean that every time – and then it's fucking time jumping. So every, yeah. it switches, and I, I was like, oh, I got to – okay, I think – is this the Kirby guy? I think this is the Kirby guy. I honestly don't know that any of that matters. Also, I don't know how you could possibly enjoy this without knowing the ebbs and yeah. tides of comics industry in general. This has been our problem the entire time with this book. Yes. It's incredibly fun and enjoyable, especially if you know the history of comics. But mm -hmm. you spend the entire time going, wait, this Gil Kane? This so is Gil Kane. Wait, which one's Stan Lee? That's Rose. So what was nice is that is that a lot of this story focused on the three characters who we have seen and it's the woman with the glasses benita, benita. it's the black guy who is ted and then yitzhak gelb who apparently gets some goyim name that i can't remember what they called him but he's been in it the whole time he so there was a little 
it was you sort of got to see them come up in the world and them as kids how they fell in love yeah. with comics and how and, they, yeah. and and the parallel of of each of them being segregated to a certain extent and having to work harder than other people and then the whole middle we had schuster and siegel yes yeah no that occurred to me i was like oh this is Siegel and schuster okay <laughs> and at the end that's uh let's say um page 29 that's kirby right sid sid uh, is kirby scrolling 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 i'm almost positive sid is kirby and he yeah. looks he's he looks like him that helps because rose who comes at the end that's bob rose is stanley okay right okay yep i remember that like it's coming back but i really i had to it's been long enough i was like oh it's it wasn't all gone i guess i also really like that those three characters i talked about their characterization was consistent the whole way through Right. And so when they were kids or, you know, like younger adults, I recognized them, not just from <laughs> what they looked like, but sort of the way they were acting. And I, I thought, oh, that's really nice. That's nice work. There's even uh, Bob Kane in here. Ron Fogle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> it makes my brain hurt when I read it because it's my brain's on two different tracks. Yeah. I enjoy it. And I especially laughed hard when. Howard Chaykin took a stab at Hamilton. I was like, don't ever change, Howard Chaykin. <laughs> I love that it exists. I still yeah. can't believe it exists. I love that it's done by a guy who lived it in many different eras. He's not that old. I mean, like, he came up in the 80s, so it's not like he was around in the 60s. But it does mean that in the 80s, he interacted with many of the people. Who were well, in yeah, this. He, all these the, all these guys were still working, right? Exactly. So in you know in the in the eighties, people who had come up in the forties and fifties were working or were in charge. So the you know the it's firsthand you know knowledge. And his mentor was Gil Kane, right? So I don't think I knew that. Well, it says Wikipedia says is Gil Kane supposed to be gay, or was it just that Stanley said his drawings looked gay? Because I remember that's a real thing. Yes, yeah, I think it was just what Stanley said. Okay, I mean, I that's what know. I thought. I, I, I don't. It doesn't matter. I just like that's. I don't know a lot about him other than Stanley said his drawings look too gay, which I can hear Stanley saying, but he would never want you to hear him saying. Shaken started in 1970. Oh shit! So he's he's yeah. been there. He's 72 years old. He's been there the whole time, almost. Back in the Facebook days, he would comment on um, Aubrey Citizen. Yeah, a friend of mine and, and and writer like he would comment on Aubrey's posts and stuff, and I was, I was like, "What's the deal with that?" He's like, "He's like my mentor. I love that guy." And I was like, "That's <laughs> so cool." <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean, he was penciling detective comics in the seventies. He mm -hmm. was doing Weird Worlds sort of. For source, some reason, like, I think of American Flag is like his start and that sort of indie. No, that's era. Yeah. But I guess that's after he had done the other thing. That makes sense. So is he? Is he the character here? That's Gil Kane's assistant. Could be. I mean, I never put that together. Could be. I mean, that guy That guy could also be, you know. The guy who finally gets a job, but not through Gil Kane. Because right. Gil Kane doesn't want to. Right, right, right. Yeah, he gets three pages to do in. I think this guy, the first page with the glasses, that's him. Wow. That's, his, that's supposed to be him. It could just as well be Frank Miller, but yes. That's really interesting. That's interesting. I love this That book. makes sense, though. That's not what Frank Miller <laughs> looked like. Me, you, and five other people. Oh, I mean, they, they keep making it. Well, that's image, right? That's the, the confounding and great thing about image is that. You know, it sucks if you're not in the circle, but if you're in the circle, you can, you can basically keep making your books. Howard Chaykin should be in the circle, but eventually there'll be a point where like, yeah, we, we lose money on this. Three series and they're not going to lose money on it. No, no. I, I think there's got, I mean, well, we know the threshold's pretty low on making, yes. image making their profit back. So right, as long as a certain number of people are buying it. 
theoretically, he's, he's got to make some money out of it. I mean, I've been buying 10,000 copies of every issue. This is intensive. <laughs> it, no, like in terms of like the storytelling is mm-hmm. like he's got a huge backstory. He's telling it out of order. It's very intricate. I don't know how fast he draws, but like he's penciling the whole thing. I'm right. sure he's faster than anybody who's come up now, but like it's. <laughs> Other than Dan Mora. Yeah. Yeah, I was happy. I was I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. I was like, oh shit, we're doing more? Great. Yeah. I was but really also, happy. But also, here comes the headache. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It subsided by the end. Maybe it's better. I cannot believe there was no anything. roll call. I couldn't believe Can it. Can you imagine? There's probably somebody out there who's read through all this and like they never listened to the show, or whatever. They come on, they listen, oh, they're talking about that comic I like. And that person goes, Wait a minute, these are all based on real people? <laughs> like they just had no idea. And like, I don't know what? why they're having trouble following it. <laughs> I'm sure you can just enjoy this and not know anything about anybody. Sure. Yeah. But but that's that's it's about the real people even if it's fictionalized. Yeah. It's and it's so funny. Oh yeah, cuz in the la- I remember now in the last volume, didn't that young guy drop dead of a heart attack in the I last no volume? Recollection. I was reading with, uh, his Wikipedia right now. He got the Gil Kane job because Gil Kane's assistant died of a heart attack at 23. Oh shit. And so he got the job. I remember, I remember that happening in the, in the last issue. Somebody died suddenly. Who knows? Is there an analog for Ted? Is there like a black comic book artist who... Well, that, I don't know. That's interesting. Because ben- Benita's Ramona Frayden, I believe. Love Everlasting number six. That is, this was me catching up on all the comics that I hadn't finished from whatever on holiday. That's how long it took. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I read five, and then I got into six. And I, I was curious, because we haven't really talked about it in a bit. It's taken off now. Like, there's definitely, like, the difference in this one is that the character, uh, for those of you who haven't been following along, there's a woman, Joan? Joan. Joan. She keeps reliving different bits of life that are romance stories, and then it falls apart at the end. Or when she tries to say yes to something, a cowboy comes and kills her, and then she starts again. In this one... Last issue, she met with, we'll say a therapist, that's not exactly correct, but a a person who was like, you got to learn to say yes. So in this one, the beautiful, handsome Clark Kent type guy, and she's just like, you know what, let's, fine, let's get married, whatever. And she goes through the whole thing. But it's slightly different because before the romance bits were all done straight up, just like old melodrama. And now- Like there's a sarcastic edge to it and her face is sort of sunken and drawn and she tries to go through the whole thing. And then the the love interest guy is totally like, oh, shucks, gee whiz, you're the best. Nothing wrong with him, but completely like blank as a character. And you get a sense of where this is going, although I don't know what the metaphor is or the theme is exactly. What do you think of it at this point? She's in on it like we're in on it. She knows she's yeah. in this cycle. She knows she's stuck in this loop of romance, love everlasting, me already. This everlasting loop. And so she just keeps waiting for the cowboy to show up in this issue, you know, show up and kill me so I can get away from this fucking drip. And he doesn't show up. <laughs> and she's like, what the hell? And she has to go through. Do they go through the, with the marriage? Yeah, they do. She they go pulls, through, she get pulls married. a runner. But after the ceremony, though. Right. But she meets the cowboy on the runner. Yeah. And he's like, I'm very happy for you. You make a beautiful bride. <laughs> and she's like, fine. She's like, what the fuck? And she goes back and does it. She pulls a runner after the ceremony. And then she skips out on this party. Oh, you're, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then she's stuck with this guy. She has to, she gets in bed with him. Right, okay, that bed. was the last thing that happened. He says, you'll be my wife always, forever and ever. I'm enjoying how this has been paced in that in the first couple, it was just like a straight up 50s style romance mm-hmm. comic. And they were really compelling stories. 
mm-hmm. from Tom King and Elsa Chartier. I don't know if we said that in the beginning of this or not. Yeah. And then we started seeing there was hints of weirdness, and now we're fully in on there's something weird. In the last two issues, at least, it's fully in on the weirdness. But we don't know where that's going or what it means. We just know that this woman's aware of her predicament. But now she seems to be stuck. The pacing is really nice, and... This is one of those things where, like, you trust the storyteller. I don't know if this was just some random book that I didn't know was going to happen. It would feel aimless, but I know now to trust this mm-hmm. storyteller. So whatever happens is going to be interesting at the least. You know, whatever right. he's trying to say here. And, you know, we're talking about playing with a form. You're talking about playing with a comic book genre that is not so popular now, but was a really big thing, a big part of comic books. Another thing invented by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. You know, I don't know where it's going, but I'm really fascinated to find out. And, you know, a little bit here and there, wait a few months, get another. I'm fine with all of that. Right. And again, I like that he's got a place to do it. And that's fully over image. It was at first on Substack. Yeah. And then now it's fully at image. I mean, I don't know if the Substack even exists still, but I mean, just putting it out. Shocking. <laughs> Listen, we called it. We're not geniuses, but we called it. It wasn't a hard call. <laughs> no, we're not geniuses. We're not smart. You know, I'm just saying... I've seen this happen many <laughs> times. Heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> I I know exactly how this ends. We're like, they're paying us. Let's get it now. Don't blame anyone for that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Come on. Get that money. Stillwater 18, Chip Zdarsky, Ramon Perez, Mike Spicer, Russ Wooten. This is the final issue of the Image Comics series that we've enjoyed, I think. Sure. It's fair to say. I think by the end, it by the end, it got a little convoluted in terms of the mythology of the town and everything. Yes, I and agree. I don't necessarily know what I understood the ending of this particular issue in the book itself, but I enjoyed it all, all the way through. I think it ended well, but I think that prior to that, I had lost the thread for a little bit. Maybe not the last couple issues, but those sort of the, the third act ones for a bit. I don't know if there was more than three acts. There probably was. But when the kid became the boss and they went to the next town and took it over... Because then you had all the different factions, and I really yes. lost track of who was who. Yes, that's my problem. And I had to, at the end, I was like, one of these guys is the main character, and one of them <laughs> is his mom. But everybody looks the same age, except yeah. army guys, though they have mustaches. And I don't remember anyone's name. That was the problem by the end, was they added so many groups of people from the initial mm-hmm. story that it was hard to keep track of who was who. And they would say somebody's name. Oh my god, it was Greg. It's like, who's Greg? Now... I think the storylines paid off. Yes. I think that the metaphor is here is like you can't stop things from happening. Things end. Things end. You can't stop them from happening. There's a whole lot of ways that I can apply to comic book readers and all sorts of other people. And I don't know that that had been really clear the entire time. They had the button on and I was like, oh, I kind of get it. I liked that the kid whose name starts with a G, I think, Galen. Yeah. They didn't kill him. They didn't punish him. Right. He sat there and he watched as he lost and they moved on without him and he kind of slinks away. I thought that was really interesting. I liked how one of the Marines fought against it. He's like, this isn't why I signed up to be really because the whole time you're like, why are the people in the military the worst people on earth? And that character sort of reminds you like, no, they're they're serving. They're helping people, you know, and they got he got out of it, but he found a way to bring himself back in. You know, I liked it as a whole, I think. I have a question from Mike Spicer. Why is all the blood pink in this issue? Because they don't die, so the pink is lighter. Is it? No, I have no idea. <laughs> Just, that is bullshit. So what happens in the very end? Obviously, they erase the yeah. borders of the town on the magical map. Yeah. And then, but that doesn't stop it, because they cut themselves, and everybody heals. Well, I think maybe that's the the trick ending, I guess. 
So they, they thought that if they get the magic map and before they expanded the border by drawing it on the magic map, then they explained Oh, I see what happened. I see it now. I don't know why I didn't see it earlier. So they raised the border mm-hmm. and they're like, cool, we're all regular now. And they cut their hand, fingers just to make sure but the, the fingers heal immediately. And he says, can you feel it? What's happened without the border, without the cage? It's a still world. So I think the power is now the entire world. That's not good. Well, I guess yeah. they're coming back. That shouldn't happen. Okay, that's weird. Are they just gonna? Are they just gonna leave that? Yeah, we fucked the whole world up. End of scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's what it seems like the just, ending means because they're saying. all they're all still immortal. And then he says it's a still world. If I had to stop aging, and they did it at forty six instead of thirty six, I would be pissed mm-hmm. the fuck off. At least it's not seventy six. Can you get fat that in way. still water? I don't know. Good question. Everyone should be their ideal body size. Or whatever it was when it started. Like, that's your, that's it. That's your metabolism. Right. You can eat burgers all day like Blimpy and not get coronary right. artery disease, but do you get fat from it? I don't know. Maybe, like, your body is stuck in a stasis. So, like, if you had just gotten sick and you were all kind of ripped looking. Because that's, by the way, that to me, that's the only way that somebody gets thin is after the <laughs> flu. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you sat down and read this all together... I'm sure. Without the breaks and being able to keep track of everyone in your head and who's who and who Greg is and all that stuff. I think you're right. I think it, it probably reads a lot better. I, I, I we've enjoyed it all the way through. Uh-huh. But you're right. The, the third act got a little kludgy with the characters. Now. Yeah. yeah that, that'll I think happen. you're right about that. Batman 134, I want to talk about. This is also Chip Zdarsky. But I only wanted to talk about the backup story because the main story is Batman's lost in the multiverse and he's on some other planet where it's no Batman. And it's like, Ugh. I don't know why... Both DC and Marvel at the same time decided they're pushing all their chips in on the multiverse. The thing that they use sparingly, DC more so than Marvel. And now it's just like everything is the multiverse. And I like the multiverse as a concept, but there's just too much of it. But the backup story has been about Tim Drake trying to find Bruce in time, teaming with Mr. Terrific, and he's got a time suit. It's just been really fun. And it's also been, hey, look, it's Tim Drake, as opposed to where he appears in other books, namely his own. Not for long. Well, yeah, that, that's true. It's just been really fun. And at first, it's, it was kind of ridiculous because this time suit's got a giant R on it, like a giant R, like it's this whole torso <laughs> in the middle. And I was like, well, that's really silly. And it glows. But then he's like, I chose the suit this way because I want Bruce to see it from a long way off and know that Robin's coming to save him. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay, that got me. <laughs> Stuff like that that Chip has done really well with Tim Drake in this book. Cause in this book, his entire run, Tim has been a major character in it. You know, holding on while we can to... Any vestige of Tim Drake is all I can do at this point because he's being shoveled off to Buffalo. Yeah. And the final page is him. He took a stop in the multiverse to go visit one version of his mom because I guess that's what heroes do now. That's what The Flash is doing in the movie. Then jumps back in to find Bruce and there's just a bunch of different Batman from all different eras jumping around uh, Kingdom Come and Dark Knight Returns and Dick Sprang and Red Sun. And Are they all drawn different ways? They're all drawn different ways to different success. The artist is Miguel Mendonca. The Kingdom Come it looks fairly like Alex Ross. There's a silhouetted Batman Dark Knight Returns jumping against the lightning, so that's just standard. The Dick Sprang sure. one looks kind of like Dick Sprang. There's a sort of a Jim Aparo-esque one. You know. Cool. It's fun. The main story, I honestly don't care. And you know what the problem is? In the old days, Batman being lost in the multiverse or on a planet where he doesn't belong would have been one issue or would have been two issues. But, you know, with the way comics are now, it's got to be six or five. And so you hit these stories that are not exciting and you're stuck with them for five or six months or Mm -hmm. three months, depending on how often the book comes out. This is a monthly book. Mm. So I think that's part of the problem. I hate this place. Number six. Mm -hmm. 
my point about this was this is the the two girls they buy a farm or they end up on a farm and it's haunted and it's all this weird shit going on and it was the first uh series and that that closed up and now we're back i think this is the second issue of the second sort of chunk of it and in which they introduce that the one girl has an insane fundamentalist survivalist father it's sort of like grandma from preacher and her two tc and um come on not jesse oh what's his name oh crap whatever you know he wants to control his daughter and sin and blah 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 and whatever well because they're lesbians so partly partially they're i like that it made a successful corner turn it Mm -hmm. introduced this whole other thing that did not exist in the first series and i think it worked i think that it stopped the book from repeating itself you know, about this haunted and then, some, you know, keep, more people keep showing up, you know, and then some shit happens to them and it, it becomes, you know, whatever the ghost thing of the week. But they introduced something else and then Kyle Starks integrated that into what was already happening and built on it. And I, I just thought, oh, this, was, this is really interesting. And, you know, on paper, the pitch for this is not something I would really care to read, but I, I think the execution's really good. There was one little storytelling bit that tripped me up where one of the women gets free from the chair. They're both tied to the chair. The one who didn't get free says, "What? how'd you do that? And she says, Bodie untied them. I don't know who Bodie is. But they don't name the characters like they used to. And Jody. In a book like Joe, It's Jody and TC. That's why he's one of the guys. In Preacher, it's right, Jody and TC. It's a, kind of important to know which of his henchmen is on their side. My point is that he just took directly from Preacher. And that makes sure. me kind of happy. I like the first arc a lot. I don't like this arc as much, but we're mm-hmm. still, you know, we're somewhat early in it. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't like this either, but I do. Yeah. Hey, those are the books we're going to talk about. It was a very strange week. It was a light week. There wasn't a lot coming out from the big two that was exciting, but we had a lot of books we could discuss, and we did. And now that mm-hmm. means we're at the patron pick. Every patron at patreon.com slash ifanboy gets to vote to add a book to the rundown. They get about 36 hours to do so. And this week, the patrons, in a, in a relatively close vote, voted for Planet of the Apes, number one. Published by Marvel Comics. Story by David F. Walker. Art by Dave Walker. Dave Walker and Dave Walker. Walker. I, I, I don't really know how to say it. I just say it way in my head. Brian Valenza, Joe Caramagna. Those are the rest of the creative team. If Dark Horse had a licensed book series, then Marvel does it now. That's Marvel that's how came over and kicked sand in their face and took their licenses. Took Star Wars, Alien, Predator, Conan, and Planet of the Apes. Actually, no, Planet of the Apes was a boom, now that I think about it. It was 20th century, so you know now Disney owns 20th century, and Disney owns Marvel, so here we are. This is a five-issue miniseries. I am not a Planet of the Apes person. Okay, actually, really this is a good care. question. At all? You have no... The original is like, you know, is like a sci-fi classic that I've, I've enjoyed. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's, it's a yeah. classic for a reason. I watched the Tim Burton reboot was it with Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah, that was the first one, ago. yeah. First one, like 25 years Tim ago. Roth was the other guy. I really wanted to like that, but it wasn't good. You know what I, I mean? I think I saw one of the new reboot ones, like the first one. See, those were great. I saw all three of those in the theater. I really enjoyed those. I like some of the old comics, but that's because Gabriel Hardman was doing them, and yeah. I really like his work. So I was really into those more for the work than the, the subject matter. Well, what's interesting is that those were based on the movies, right. like the original movies much more, which is not surprising if you know Gabriel Hardman. And this is based off the newer movies. So this is the James Franco ape universe. Right. Is this what happened in the movies? There was a pandemic and people, yes. people blame the apes? Okay. Yeah. I think the problem, oh, there I go. 
the thing that I had a hard time is I'm not sure what the story was here that didn't take place in the movie. And I was trying to find it. Did it feel like a, not, not a straight adaptation, but like, like a side It almost felt like in a the... recap in a way. Um, and we were sort of getting a wider view of the world. And it's basically, there's an infection that happens. The humans blame the apes. The apes didn't do it. The apes are, in fact, not contagious. But, you know, the world has to cloister itself. And, and so, not unlike in The Last of Us, you know, like they sort of come up with little communities and little armed mm-hmm. forces and stuff. In the end, we find out it's the story of this girl who had liked the apes when she was a kid and she becomes a member of the security forces or whatever. And she talks to the apes. She, she signs with them. She has sympathy for them and, you know, feels close to them. And sort of none of the other humans did, you know, like they're animals. What are you doing? Because humans apparently never fucking learn anything from their mistakes or what happens. Yeah. But also like we've known for like 50 years that apes can do sign language. It's not new information. No, but the, but the idea that soldiers they're who were surprised the apes could sign was like a little surprising to me. Well, it's not. I don't even think it's that. It's that you would spend the time to talk to them anyway, because even if they could yeah, sign, he, they he says, "Whoa, they can it. sign." How do you talk to well, them? I was like, "People, what are do you dumb. mean?" It's been like scientific studies for decades. Yes. So you know, she's kind of interesting. Ultimately, I, I feel like half of it was just a recappy kind of thing. I'm here we are. It was setting up the world. Yeah, yeah but I know the world, so. Uh, anyway, I mean, whether that's that's good or bad, I, I kind of was waiting to see, like, what who, what are we doing here? What's What are you showing me that I don't know? Because so far, I know all these things. I thought it was competently done. Mm-hmm. I didn't find it terribly compelling. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of it. And Dave Walker's a good writer. I've, I've enjoyed things he's written. Dave, I like calling him Dave Walker because it's funny, but, you know, solid artist, good mm-hmm. storytelling. I like some of the art was haunting in the way it should be. Did a really good drawing of the ape doll that she had as a girl. Mm-hmm. Drew apes very well, which I guess is a requirement for doing Planet of the Apes. Yeah, the apes were excellent. But I think that you're right. At the end of the day, I was like, that was fine. You know, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, whoa, that was awesome. And I don't really yeah. love the subject matter anyway. So it was kind of like, okay, that was cool. And I had wanted it to be awesome. I, I said, oh, this is gr-. because Alien was great. Predator was great. And I like Planet of the Apes. Like, I, it's funny because you said, you're like, I'm not really a fan. I was like, really? I am. Like, I, I, it occurred to me. I was like, oh, I am. <laughs> you know, so all of that sort of fit in and was of a piece. Well, I think it depends. I think you break up into two fan groups, right? It's like people who are super into the old sort of campiness mm-hmm. of the original apes. Not just the first one, but the series of movies. And then, you know, people who are much younger who are super into the new ones. And I just, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I, I definitely saw at least two of the new ones, but. I, 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 I love them. Like, I went out of the way to go see them. Like, I saw them in the theater by myself. In fact, I saw the last one in San Francisco because that's where it takes place. And I was like, oh, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was, I was really looking forward to like, uh, unlike the Predator book, which I was like, whatever, I'll, tr- I'll take a flyer on it because I like the artist, you know, and you know, that turned out being great. I can't put my finger on it, but I wanted this to bring something else to the table that it didn't. Yeah. I think. It's often a problem with these first issues is that first issues used to be like your ticket, right? The first issue was usually really good because that's where all the ideas sort of pour out and then it gets harder to maintain but they're also the other side of the first issue is there's a couple of sides one side is the too much information one's the not enough information and there's like this where there's so much time being spent world building that i don't know anything about the characters or the dilemma they find themselves in like what is this woman's uh-huh. story it's the classic character thing what do they want right what are mm-hmm. they not getting how are they going to get it that's like the, every character's journey i don't know anything about her in that sense other than protect the apes which is very broad 
I think the recap should have been shorter, and I think we should have learned more about the protagonist. Yeah. As I flip through it now, like they tell us a lot, but it's very drips and drabby. So I don't, you know, you don't really know why. And so maybe do that thing where you front load it, like give me something on her right away and then fill it in as you go. You know, we didn't necessarily need to see the flashback to her as a child now, you know, in order to understand that someone feels compassion for the apes. We don't need to have a reason for it right off the bat. It could be something that's revealed later. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's kind of interesting too. I'm not so cold and cynical to think that no one would be compassionate for the apes. So if someone is, I wouldn't be like, what? Why? Right. It's just someone is, and that's cool. And then it would be like later, oh, well, she was this and that, and she had a, you know, a doll. And her, mm-hmm. But, you know, it just was weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I wanted to like it more than I did. I don't think it was bad, but I don't think it delivered as much as I had wanted. Ratings. I think I had high expectations. I think I went in yeah. very, like, chuffed. I was like, yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. And probably like halfway through, I was like, well, when is this starting? <laughs> three three out of five three yeah i'm gonna go 2.5 right to the middle i think that's fair if you tell me it's amazing i'll stick with it because you sold me on predator and aliens as well mm-hmm. so if you say man issue two was terrific oh I'll, I'll check it out but if i don't hear from you then i'm not gonna check it out i'm putting it all in your basket you divine that i am gonna continue reading it so that when you like sticking with it when i say <laughs> yes i am you're yes. not surprised yeah i'm assuming you're gonna stick with it you're not wrong i am going to stick with it because I, I want to like it and I'm putting all my eggs in your basket. Mm-hmm. And also, like, if we're talking about, you know, a first issue, uh, you know, sometimes you get the stuff out and then the good stuff comes along later. I'm hoping that's the case. Sure. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron votes to add the book to the rundown. The patrons are the ones who help support the show directly. They have a great little community. We have events for them. We have live hangouts once a month. We have great communities on Discord and Facebook. We have fun stuff for them every day and hopefully they enjoy it and hopefully they feel it's worthwhile to support the show and if you feel like you want to support the show patreon.com slash ifanboy is a great way to do it even for a dollar one dollar a month helps keeps the bills paid also ifanboy.threadless.com is where we have our t-shirts ifanboy.com slash support is our digital tip jar via paypal ifanboy.com slash amazon is where you can find our booksplode books and bookshop.org is our partner on the booksplode books you can find those links on the posts when appropriate Help support local bookstores. They're the lifeblood of civilization. <laughs> and if you're a patron at the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show. That's how we thank you for being a $5 or higher member. And the patron we thank this week is Bob. Just Bob. Bob. Bob's power is that whatever area he walks into, like a room or a store, or a business of any kind, it doesn't have to be a store, or like a backyard situation. It's not not a giant space, but like, like a reasonably, you know, size space. He can snap his fingers, and that space will become clean and expertly organized. It's not just things are put away. It's like, oh no, let's, we're going to make this better. We're going to we're going to get you some better storage. It's going to make, make and more, it, more it sense. Persists. Yeah, it's like he's changed it. Now look, okay. you, he could leave the room and the kids might pull the toys back out again, but right, right. he might have to come back and snap his fingers again, but he's like Mary Poppins. It's like Queer Eye. Yes. Right. It isn't he's necessarily, not necessarily like... He's not, well, hold on. He's not necessarily upgrading your life. He's just sure, like, okay, no, I, I get it. the way you have things set up here is disorganized and messy. You know, There's a more efficient way to do this. It's more efficient than it is aesthetic, but sometimes those things yes. go together to a certain extent. Sure. Extent. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. I could use that guy in my basement for sure. Yeah, oh, for sure. Does, does he bring in like does does he bring in like our storage devices part of it, or is it only with what's available? In it could the place? be. It could be. 
Like okay. if he walked in and there was like nothing for storage, that's why everything was messy. Mm-hmm. Like he snaps his fingers and some storage devices get brought in by little birds, you know, like a Mary Poppins situation. I'll tell you what that is. That's a valuable service. He can monetize yeah. that. So Bob, <laughs> there's your power. Thanks for being a Patreon, patreon.com slash my fanboy. There you go. Let's do at least one email because we neglected them last week. Corey T from Cleveland, Ohio. Corey says, I was wondering what your thoughts were on a question I've been thinking about since the animation brain trust was created. Why can't Marvel seem to get their animation division in order and create straight to DVDs based on famous storylines like DC has been doing for the last 10 or 15 years? It seems like an obvious idea that fanboys would love to see. It feels like Marvel does great live action movies and not so great animated products and then vice versa for DC. I have my thoughts. What are your thoughts on this? They don't need to. And also it would diminish their brand. Their brand is high-end movies that the culture enjoys in general. And the offshoot of that is the TV shows, which do not, because they're, they're made in such a way that they do not dilute the brand. And then marketing products with that stuff on it. They don't need, they have the comic books for what you're talking about. I think that there's not significant money and it tarnishes what they've built to be such a singular cultural power. So doing the animated stuff would just sort of confuse their marketplace to use business terms. I don't necessarily disagree, but I don't necessarily agree with some of you. I I do think that the TV shows are are diluting their brand. Actually, I think that's what you're seeing in the films coming out with the lower box offices and everything. Anyway, that's a different discussion. Anyway, I think they're diluting the quality of the movies. I think what you're seeing is is just two different corporate strategies. Just because one company does one thing doesn't mean another company has to also do that thing. And DC's decided they're going to leverage their comics for stories. And Marvel decided they're going all in and leveraging their movies. Meaning... Mm -hmm. Marvel does a fair amount of animation. It's just based on the movies for the most part. Like that What If series was entirely movie-based. And when I first announced it in my head, I was like, oh, cool. We're going to see some awesome animation of like stories from the 80s. And I went, are you a fucking moron? No, that's all about the movies for Marvel. Mm -hmm. They do that and then they do kids animation. They have an incredibly popular Spider-Man cartoon for preschool kids. Yeah, that's true. On Disney+. Plus, They've decided where they're going to leverage their content is the movies. Everything goes to the movies and then kids meaning young kids. Whereas DC says, we have all these comics, we're going to leverage them and make cartoons out of them. Because DC also has a long history of making great cartoons that are, if not totally based on the comics, at least at least in those worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, all the Bruce Tim cartoons and everything like that. So that's not out of the ordinary for them. They've been doing that for 30 years. It's just two different corporate strategies. They never stopped. I mean, like, and right. this is the weak, it's almost like the weakness and the strength of I wanted to say Warner, DC, whatever, but whatever that conglomerate is now is that they didn't unify everything. So they're trying because, because they haven't been, um, you know, Marvel conquered everything with their movies. So they're going to go forward with that big plow. DC haven't conquered any of those things. So they're still doing all of them because they're trying to bring in as much ancillary revenue as possible. And so what you said, they were in a conglomerate, like Marvel was on their right. own when they started Marvel studios, they were an independent company. And so when mm-hmm. Disney bought them, they were able to stay an independent, and they're not independent, but an independent production unit within the company, meaning Bob Iger basically leaves Kevin Feige alone to do it. And so they're basically mm-hmm. still on their own. DC has been since, what, the 70s? Part of Warner Brothers? And mm-hmm. so they are beholden to a million masters, and that's why there's not one unified vision of stories. But yeah. they have been consistent since the early 90s of leveraging the comics for their storytelling and animation. And then Marvel is the opposite. They leverage their movies. That's just, just two different ways of doing business. Marvel is the opposite of that now. But historically, before, we'll say yeah. 2000, 
Marvel would sell whatever they could for peanuts. The amount of money that Marvel was paid for all of their movie rights, like in the 70s, was last it was like five grand it was nothing and so for a while like they weren't making any money and to the point where they you know they had the boom and then then they went bankrupt and you know they were trying to get anybody to make anything with marvel on it and so you got a lot of low-rent shit that you would never see today you know the the tv series and then the specials that came up afterwards like those were considered huge you know successes and now it's the opposite now they are you know the tiffany brand but also they were doing what DC does now yes, because the I mean. X-Men cartoon was, was straight up stories from the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they were adapting issues straight up, yeah. but that was a very specific thing. They only did that one time. Well, I guess the, I'm sorry, Avengers Earth Mighty's Heroes, that terrific cartoon from, I don't know, 15 years ago was also ad- adapting stories from the comics, but that's kind of it. And then once the movies took over the cultural conversation, everything switched to mm-hmm. bolstering the movies. So, now everything they, they do for the most part that's meant for anyone over the age of five is movie-based, at least right now. I don't think Marvel's leaving, leaving anything on the table. I don't think that that's what's happening at all. It's just that... It's just different strategies. But I also just don't think it would be worth it for them. It would be such a minimal return to make one of these you know, direct-to-DVD movies about some part of their comic book publishing. The comic book publishing is now just source material. It is the great well to be made into... TV series or films. But also the guy in charge now is Kevin Feige. He's in charge of mm-hmm. basically all of Marvel entertainment, especially now with the restructuring that they've been going through. And so of course he's going to say, Oh, let's make a cartoon, but it's got to be about the movie world. Cause that's what he created. I mean, I think what's going to happen this is eventually long time from now is that Kevin Feige will leave at some point and They'll throw a bunch of shit that doesn't work because it won't be the same and also because everybody will have had enough. And eventually they will go back because they have to take advantage of this IP to make it anything they can. It might be 20 years from now, but it will happen, I think. At the end of the day, just because one company does one thing doesn't mean another company also will also do it or has to do it or should do it even. They're not the same kinds of companies. uh, And I feel Corey T's pain because what Corey T wants to see is an expression of the comic's on screen it's closer to the comics because the movies have been doing comic stories they just filter through the lens of live action and, and ends up looking different whereas when this about dc Kang? animates you just want, about a lot of want things, a taskmaster when, when dc does animated versions of the comics they're very very close so you, i can feel it he wants to see the stories on screen but it's just that Mar- that's not what marvel is in the business of doing at the moment they're in the business of doing their movie stuff and stuff related to the movie stuff and and all that, whereas DC's not right now. And we'll see if that lasts under the new regime, if they keep doing these or not, these animated films. We'll see. Good question, though. Yep. Good question. Yeah. Corey T. wrote in at contact.ifanboy.com. That's what you can do if you want to get on the show. Ask a great question for us to discuss. We really like doing these emails, even if sometimes we run out of time and can't do them. We do like it. Because so I you. talk too much. Uh, it just happens sometimes. <laughs> uh, where are we? All right. So we did it. We did it, everybody. Congratulations. We did eight straight weeks Yay. of special edition shows. They started it at the end of February. They ended in early April. Every Thursday, we had a show come out. Last week was the Book Explode Review of Kingdom Come. This past week was Batman The Doom That Came to Gotham, the animated review of the Mike McNeola Batman story. See, that's exactly what Corey T was talking about. And that's it. Now we're done. <laughs> there will be no special show this week. We are taking a break. But this month in April, we'll, you'll get a media explode. 
and you're going to maybe get a Tuxplode. So we'll see how that goes. Work on we'll it. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Work if not, we'll, if no Tuxplode, maybe we'll do a bonus Booksplode. But that's so fun. If you listen to the Kingdom Come episode, you know we discussed doing The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay as a Booksplode because Josh just reread it. I think I'm going to take you up on that, Josh. Awesome. Awesome. I'm rereading it right now. I'm about 200 pages in. And you know, it's a long shot, but if Michael Shabon gets back to me. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends. If it's the May Booksplode, then that'll probably be. That'll be yeah. Cavalier and Clay. If we have to do an emergency one in April, it may not be that one. Yeah, I think we've got lots of options for that. I have a trip I've got to take in the middle of April, so it probably won't happen. But The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, the Pulitzer Prize winning novel from 2000. 2000. 2000. 20, yeah. 23 years ago. Mm-hmm. Will be the next official book explode. So you have at least that much time to read it or reread it. It's all about the history of comics and a fictionalized story. Yeah, but so much more. Oh, so much more, yes, obviously. Yeah, That's the no, tie-in I mean, to comics. It won, it, it won a Pulitzer, but it earned it. You can, it's a spoiler, it's very good. You can find our <laughs> library of over 1,300 shows and counting over at ifanboy.com, wherever podcasts are sold. Follow us at, at ifanboycomics on Instagram to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out, and sometimes for the best of the week in panels. You can follow us individually, C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, or J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. You can subscribe, oh, this is you. I'm not gonna, you want me to do it? I'll do it. Sure. You can subscribe to youtube.com slash ifanboy where you'll find all of our old video shows and we post this show every week. Please consider writing a review or leaving a star rating on any of those different rating mechanisms that exist for us, for anybody. Listen, just do it. What we should start doing is sending emails and ask them to rate us. We should do that, right? People like that. Yeah. Nah. For sure. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I'm Connor. (laughs) I'm Josh. (laughs) That's confusing for people. We're like the comic books we don't remember. We've done it. Inevitable. We've come full circle. Scroll up to the appropriate place. You are recording? Yes. Three, two. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 873, brought to you by iFanboy. Fuck me. You're kidding me. Wow. Three, two.